Well, good morning, everybody. In the year, uh, in the year 1809, Europe was at war. Napoleon was sweeping through the country of Austria. Blood was flowing freely. Nobody then was looking to who was being born in the world. If there were news broadcasts, television news broadcasts in 1809, the, the headline reports would all have been from the front lines in Austria about what the French army was up to. But instead, they could have looked to some of the significant births that year. In England, William Gladstone was born, and he was destined to become one of England's finest statesmen. Alfred Tennyson was born to an obscure minister and his wife, and the child would go on to affect the literary world greatly. In America, in Boston, Edgar Allan Poe also began a life that was going to lead to him writing. Uh, a doctor in England and his wife, uh, he was called Darwin, and they, they had a child, Charles Roberts, who changed the scientific world. And in a log cabin in a small area of Kentucky, possibly even the most famous baby who was born that year was Abraham Lincoln, who would, of course, go on to be a, a, a huge figure in American history. So if the news broadcasts would have been focusing on the front lines, they could have looked to these babies for hope. They could have looked to the cradles of England and America for where history would eventually be changed. Similarly, 2,000 years ago in Palestine, everyone thought taxation was big news. The Roman occupation was the big news. The call to uh, travel for a census was big news. And the people were looking for hope. They were waiting. They were waiting for a promised saviour, a promised king, who they'd been waiting hundreds and hundreds of years for since the prophecies of the Old Testament. They were expecting this great king to come from the line of their own historical great king, David, they were expecting this king to come and free them and rescue them from oppression and to restore the glory of their nation. Just listen uh, to a couple of verses from further on in Luke chapter 1, where Zechariah, John the Baptist's father, is giving praise to God. You can hear what the people are hoping for and looking for. Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited and redeemed his people, and has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David. They're looking for hope. They're looking for this king that's been promised for so long by God. And into a small town, for if you go to the verses that, that Jason read to us, verse 26, a small town, Nazareth, we step in, this, in these passages into this story. If you've seen uh, any 70s Western films, you might kind of have seen those little signs that they have outside the frontier towns that say small town Wisconsin or small town Colorado, 
population 2000 and the population dwindles during the film and they're always there kind of scribbling it out. Well, if Nazareth had one of those signs 2000 years ago, it would have said small town, nowhere, population 500. Look how Luke has to spell out where it is. A city of Galilee named Nazareth. He has to tell us where this place is and give us some context for it. Into this scene steps an angel, literally a messenger, Gabriel, sent by God. And he brings an incredible message to this young woman, Mary. She's flabbergasted by it, isn't she? And we're going to concentrate on the message in a few minutes, but I, I just want to notice a couple of things. She's not yet married, and she's a virgin. And she tells us that three times. But she's going to have a baby. And this baby is going to be special. He's going to bring hope to his people. And we'll look at the message in a second and see how Gabriel tells us that this baby is going to be special and bring hope. But before we do, I just want to, just want to say some people do dismiss this passage and the equivalent in Matthew as a copy of ancient myths and legends and fables that had grown up around uh, some great figures like Remus in the Roman world and, and Alexander the Great in, in Greece. We don't have time to go into why, why this is very different today, but there's whole books written about it. Suffice to say, there are enough differences in this story, in this passage, that it's not just a copy. It's not just a, a fabrication that Matthew or Luke put together. Instead, we need to marvel. We need to marvel at the uniqueness of this particular birth, of this particular message, and of the amazing things that the baby is going to do that are promised in what Gabriel says here. So before we look at Gabriel's message to Mary, let's just spend uh, a moment in prayer. Father God, we thank you that there were faithful people 2,000 years ago in Palestine who were looking for your hope to arrive in the world. And we thank you for this passage. We thank you that we can spend some time with these verses now. And Lord, I just pray that as we do, you'd help us to understand them. We pray that you'd help us to, uh, to see some of your truth in them. And we pray, Lord, that you just help us to... Uh, maybe find something new, a new truth, a new uh, nugget about you that we can, we can cling on to and that will shine in our lives today and tomorrow and in the weeks ahead, Lord, uh, in these verses that are so familiar to us. So Lord, I just pray that you'd speak to us through, through this passage this morning. Amen. So first of all, we're going to look closely at verses 31 to 33. What kind of baby is this going to be? Do not be afraid, Mary, you found favour with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever and of his kingdom 
there will be no end. So after, after the, the common greeting of the angel to, to not be afraid, and this time the angel says to Mary that she has found favour with God. You who have been favoured with grace. Mary hasn't done anything special here. This is a gift that she's been given by God. This message and this baby. She's been favoured with grace. After, after the angel says this to her, first of all we learn the baby's name, which 2,000 years ago in Palestine was an odd thing because it was normally the father's job. You'd expect Joseph to be the one who gives the name. But here, it's going to be Gabriel, pointing to the fact that this baby is special, and as we'll come back to later, his father is God himself. We learn the baby's name. The baby's name is Jesus. God saves. The Lord saves. The Lord is salvation. The first hints that this baby is the one who they're waiting for, looking for, the one who's going to bring hope to Israel. And beyond even the baby's name, Gabriel gives Mary and us much more information about this baby. Remember exactly what it is that the Jews are waiting for in Israel. Isaiah chapter 9, verses 6 and 7. There's a prophecy about this. For to us, a child is born. To us, a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulder. And his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness. From this time forth, and forevermore, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. What are they waiting for? A son who is going to be great, who is going to rule on the throne of David, who is going to establish a kingdom, and he's going to rule forever with the peace and glory of the mighty God. It's a son who's great, to rule on the throne of David, who will establish a kingdom, who will rule forever with peace and glory of the mighty God. What does Gabriel say to Mary? You will bear a son. To us, a son is born. To us, a son is given. The first of the things they're looking for, a son who's going to be great. What does Gabriel say to Mary? He will be great, verse 32. Not he will be quite good, not he will be a bit great. Unqualified, absolutely. He will be great. What does that mean? Like we, we think of great and we go, Oh, yeah, well, that was, that was great. That was something that was, a, that was kind of quite nice, something that was kind of a bit good. No, that's not what this is. This is an attribute. The word is an attribute of God and of God alone. This baby is great. He is God. 
a son who is great and, verse 32, will be called the son of the most high. So what does that mean? Well, we've already seen that he's a son. What does the most high bit mean? Well, if you go back into Genesis chapter 14 or Numbers chapter 24 or the Psalms or Daniel chapter 3 or chapter 4, you'll find that that name, the Most High, is a, is a name that is given to God. And in particular in Numbers, it goes with another name that we often give to God as well, the Almighty. It emphasizes the majesty, the superiority of God over everything. It's another way of saying Jesus is the Son of God, emphasizing what we're going to come back to about rule. And also we see later on in, in Luke chapter 1 and verse 76 that John the Baptist is the prophet of the Most High. He's the one who goes before the Son of the Most High to tell about him. So we have a son who is great, who will be called the Son of the Most High. And then what does Gabriel say in the second half of verse 32? And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. What were they waiting for? They were waiting for someone to come and rule on the throne of David. That great king that we read about in the Old Testament, the one who set the pattern for all the kings of Israel who were, who were considered as good kings. And God had promised that he would set up an everlasting kingdom under David's line. And here, here, Gabriel says, this baby will be given the throne of David. Not least by the Lord God himself. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David. And this baby, now in verse 33, this isn't going to be something that is temporary. He will reign over the house of Jacob. He will reign over Israel for how long? Forever. Forever. Establishing that kingdom that will never end. Again, in Isaiah verse nine, we, uh, chapter 9, we, we saw that, didn't we? We saw that that's what they were looking for. This kingdom that will never end, ruling over Israel forever. And again, in the Old Testament, this is a, this is a kingdom that is going to last forever. The ki a kingdom that lasts forever is God's kingdom, and it's God who will rule over them in that kingdom. Micah chapter 4 uh, and verse 7. The Lord will rule over them in Mount Zion from that day and forever. And so we see that Gabriel finishes this section by saying of his kingdom there will be no end. These five expressions 
that he will be great. He will be called the Son of the Most High, that God will give him the throne of David, that he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, that his reign will found a kingdom which never ends. They should tell Mary first, and they should tell us as we read these verses. This baby is the hope that they have been waiting for. He is the Messiah, the anointed one, the saviour that the world is waiting for. And they replied directly to the baby Jesus. They say that Jesus is the hope that Israel has been looking for. Well, you might say, well, that's great that, that Jesus is the hope who Israel is looking for, but we don't live in Israel. What about, what about us? What's the hope here for me as I read these verses? Well, if we skip on to verse 35, we'll see a little bit more. The Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. So what do we see there? First of all, he will be called Holy. He's going to be set apart, set apart for God, separated to God. The Holy Spirit is going to work this miracle and so Jesus, as a man, the Son of God, will be called holy. And uh, if, you, if you look just before that, it says, the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Now, we might kind of read that and go, is that a bit, a bit odd? A bit of a strange word there, overshadow. But this is language from the Old Testament. This is language where it means that God's presence is going to come to Mary. It's language of, of, from the tent of meeting in the desert. And it starts to tell us something about what this baby is going to do. Because as God's presence comes here, God's presence is going to come into the world through the baby. We've seen that he's the son of the Most High, he is the Son of God, Gabriel says. The baby will be called the Son of God. Not will become the Son of God. He is the Son of God. Of course, we can read in, in John as well, in John's Gospel, that this, this is how it is. John chapter 1, verse 1 and verse 14. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. John chapter 1 and verse 17 equates the word with Jesus. So we see this flow that God is now present with us in the baby. And in Jesus as he is born and in Jesus as he goes about his life later on. What does that mean? Well, John again tells us in verse 18 of chapter 1. No one has ever seen God the only God who is at the Father's side. Jesus has made him known. This baby, this baby is going to make God known. 
to his disciples, to his followers. And then, by us reading about him, by us seeing what he did, reading these passages, it makes God known to us as well. And as we accept Jesus into our lives through the Holy Spirit, continues to make God known to us. We sang earlier, didn't we, in Be Thou My Vision, that God's presence is our light. Jesus points us to God and shows us God's character and shows us God's presence is our light as the Son of God. If you know the, the band, uh, The Killers, you might, you might have heard some of their songs, like Mr. Brightside or, or things like that. They, they went through a phase of releasing Christmas songs every year. Um, and one of their songs from 10, 15 years ago that they released at Christmas, they did with uh, Elton John, the, the keyboard player and singer, and Neil Tennant from the Pet Shop Boys. It was called Joseph, Better You Than Me. And it kind of imagined what life must have been like for Jesus' earthly, adoptive father. And there's a, there's a few lines in it that go like this. With the plane and the lathe, the work never drove you mad. You're a maker, a creator, not just somebody's dad. But the maker and the creator in this story, the maker and the creator in the Christmas story is Jesus. It's not Joseph. All things were made through him, John chapter 1 says. And without him was not anything that, there was not anything that was made. And yet, he comes into the world. God comes into the world, the maker and creator, enters the world. And shares, as we read in Hebrews, in flesh and blood, lives just as we live, a unique person, fully God and fully human, unlike anyone before or since, born without the taint of sin, holy and set apart for God, but participating in all of life, from the cradle to the grave. He could be seen and touched. We read that Jesus ate and slept and wept and was tempted. But because he was God, he overcame. Martin Luther wrote, the mystery of the humanity of Christ, that he sunk himself into our flesh, is beyond all understanding. And it is, it's difficult to get our heads around, isn't it? But this passage tells us that this baby is God. So this morning, are you looking for history to be made? Are you looking at the news headlines and going, well, all the histories in Omicron or whatever the headlines are this morning? Or are you looking for hope?
Are you looking for something to break into your life and give it meaning? Because this baby, this baby who is God, is history and is heaven offering to break into my life and your life. Michael Reeves wrote, Our astonishing rejection of God drew forth the extreme depths of his love. Our astonishing rejection of God drew forth the extreme depths of his love. We've all rejected God in one way or another. Maybe you've never accepted this baby. Maybe you think that you've done too much for this baby to offer you any hope. But think back to the baby's name. Jesus, the Lord saves. God saves. If you're looking for hope this morning, you'll find it in this baby, Jesus. And as we read in verse 37 of chapter 1, whether you think you, you're too far away from God for God to step into your life or to be saved, nothing will be impossible with God. If you want to know more about what that, that means for you, then please come and talk to either, either Jason or me after the, after the service. But what about for those of us who've already met this baby, the son of the Most High, who is fully God and fully man? We've probably heard this, this passage hundreds of times before. But I learned reading, reading through it and studying more about the promises, more about how we see God fulfilling his promises to his people in this baby. And he's promised us as well, hasn't he, that we, we can go and follow this baby who died for us on the cross at Easter, who has risen again. And he's promised us that he will forgive our sins and he will set a place for us in heaven. And so we see God's promises fulfilled here to his people Israel. And that gives us hope that he will fulfill his promises to us as well. So let's remember this Christmas time, this amazing gift. And like with a gift given by a loved one on Christmas morning, let's find joy in receiving the miraculous gift of Jesus. We so often look for joy in other things, don't we? I know I'm more than guilty of, of looking for joy in other things. Let's, so let's just focus on Jesus and look for our joy there. These are staggering, bold, stupendous claims that Gabriel makes about Jesus. The greatest ruler that Israel, the world, the universe has ever seen. Jesus, who shared his knowledge of the Father with us and who gave his life for me. Jesus, who was sent by the Father into the world so that he would willingly go to the cross, obeying the Father's will and giving us hope. Giving us hope so that we can read in Philippians chapter 2. Therefore God has highly exalted Jesus and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess 
that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. Amen.